kicking and growing and watching prohibition fall down. Good morning, DGC. I'm super excited, and I thank my guests so much for, for coming on the show today. Man, I have Martin Lee, who is the author of Smoke Signals, which is the social history of cannabis. It's a book that has absolutely enlightened me and taught me so much. Martin Lee, thank you, my friend. Thanks for doing the heavy lifting, brother. Well, thank you, Scotty, for having me on your show. You know what, man? Your book exposes all all sorts of cannabis heroes. Uh, I'm putting you right on the list, man, because the the storytellers are really important, man. And uh, some of the things I learned from your book is, is is absolutely extraordinary, man. I mean, it, it takes you on ups and downs. By the way, I'm not a big reader. Um, I started using Audible, and thank you for putting it on Audible for guys like me. That man, I'll read a I'll look at a book and I'll read three pages and fall asleep. Especially if I have a joint in my mouth or, you know, so for me to uh, be able to, to uh, drive in a car and, you know, hear an hour of the social history of cannabis is absolutely amazing, man. So right on, brother. Well, I'm glad they did it in Audible as well. It's a good way to get out and to reach people. Uh, I understand people have their different preferences about uh, how they like to get information and how they like to... Uh use cannabis a lot of different ways of doing it yeah i'm gonna pop right into it brother because uh i I know we have limited time i'm hoping to get you back on the show but you tell a really interesting story about how you know how cannabis or you know i'll I'll even use the m word you know marijuana how we took this we used fear-mongering in in america i'll say in the 30s you tell the the harry anslinger story and and all the all the players and whatnot but how we took something that was it was actually you know ditch weed and was grown all over the world and we demonized it and it was something that really wasn't uh it wasn't a huge problem and by by publicis- publicizing we almost made our own problem you know it was just an interesting story no well it created a problem where there wasn't one actually but, sure you know for when you when you dial back to that time period in the 1930s remember cannabis was made illegal essentially in 1937 right with the marijuana tax act as it was called yes so you know and there were other state laws on the books already that were uh, prohibiting uh, marijuana use but you know at that time it was the great depression uh there were a lot of budget cutting within the government sure and the federal narcotics bureau which had been formed only a few years before marijuana was made illegal it actually you know kind of it was a successor to the uh, uh, efforts to impose alcohol prohibition. Yeah, I mean, this is not uh, far off from prohibition. Were, yeah, so they just went from one prohibition to another. It's amazing. Against booze. Okay, that changed, and they turned their attention to prohibition uh, for marijuana. And really, the reason for that, first and foremost, was uh, bureaucratic. You, you know, this this government agency was threatened with budget cutbacks, was threatened with actually uh, termination. Uh, There was thought of eliminating it entirely. Um, And the leader of that department, Harry Anslinger, we can have the booze and the sisters having (laughs) mentioned his name. Um, He he, um, basically, he saw marijuana, uh, the the reefer madness campaign that he waged as a way of convincing Congress that not only should his department, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, be spared uh, budget cuts, but they should be increased the budget to deal with this terrible scourge. And no one ever even really heard of in sure. the United States. The word marijuana was not used. You know, everyone was familiar with cannabis because it was in everybody's medicine chest. That's really uh, important to talk about, man. 
is is that people you yeah, they separated yeah. cannab- marijuana from cannabis. People have been getting cannabis in tinctures and you know uh, from from the the doctor for you know you know from the turn of the century on, or probably from even before that. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, it really started big it. In the United States, the cannabis medicine started really in the 1850s, 1860s, was used during the Civil War sure. for pain relief and for, uh, uh, well, essentially it was this PTSD the soldiers were experiencing. We didn't call it PTSD back then, Shell but that's shot. what it was. Yeah. And cannabis was a very uh, uh, useful remedy. The ironic thing is, and I only came upon this after I wrote the book, so this fact isn't in there, but both General Robert E. Lee head of the Confederate armies, and General Ulysses S. Grant, head of the Union armies during the Civil War, both of them were praising marijuana to the tilt, saying every soldier should have it in their pocket. They called it hashish uh, because it was such a good thing to use. So, you know, it's very ironic that probably Lee and Grant couldn't agree on anything except for one thing. (laughs) It was good for soldiers. I mean, in your book. uh, That fact is. Yeah, it's not in the book because I learned that later, but maybe we'll, you know, we'll get a chance to update it one of these days, perhaps. We'll but it, it's amazing, though. But what, what I'm saying, even in the book, you have uh, – I think they – didn't they test Shakespeare's uh, – when Shakespeare had a pipe or something he was he was buried with? And I thought that tested positive yeah, for – yeah, hit that. It's around, which, around where Shakespeare lived in, in England back in the 1600s. Right. Um, they found fragments of, of clay pipes – uh, and they they can do these tests now, you know, forensics uh, where they where examine these fragments. They find out well what was smoked, and they, and among other things, certainly there was either hemp or cannabis in there. Uh, tobacco was the craze at the time. It sure, just, it had been recently introduced into Europe. Uh, but now they're not sure that that means that Shakespeare was. Uh, smoking the weed, uh, but that somebody uh, in the area where he lived certainly was smoking something that included some weed, sure. at the very least. That's what you can say if you don't want to overemphasize or overstate it, but yes. But the fact of the matter is cannabis has been used all around the world for, for centuries as a, uh, both a medicine, as a, for recreation, for ritual use. Uh, we know the hemp plant, of course, is very useful for fiber, for oil, from the seeds. And, you know, it's an amazing plant that can do amazing things. And it's all the more uh, you know, reason to look back at that decision on the part of the U.S. government in 1937 to ban it as, as a, a decision that was based on lies. It was, it was based on a bureaucratic need, uh, really, more than anything else. And the way the reefer madness campaign was waged really was drenched in racism. It was using racism to uh, achieve a bureaucratic uh, objective. And unfortunately, that whole vibe around it really hasn't changed all that much. And that here we have today, Attorney General Sessions, a man from the Deep South, a man named after Jefferson Beauregard. Jefferson and Beauregard were two Confederate generals. So, uh, you know, I like to think that, I don't like to think it, but I see it as uh, the, the Continued prohibition of marijuana on a federal level is like a Confederate statue still standing in the South. It represents old ways, old thinking that should be rejected. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's funny the way that backfired on them too, where they, they were really, they were so worried about uh, marijuana, you know, the devil's scourge, you know, invading the, uh, you know, the white household. And that's exactly what they did with all this propaganda. You know, it was something that was pretty much, you know, limited to the jazz scene and yeah, what's up? Yeah. 
I think uh, you, you know that the, you use the perfect word, irony. And I think the the marijuana story in the United States is very ironic in many many different ways. Every time one group or another tries to you know advance an agenda based on marijuana, it seems to fly back in their face. Another example of this would be uh, Ronald Reagan when he was president in the 1980s. You know, that's when they, the, the drug war in the United States really hit a peak. It sure did. Militarized the drug war. He, he you know, revived the whole thing after Nixon started it. And, um, and part of that uh, involved, on the part of the Reagan people, uh, putting a lot of money, millions of dollars, into scientific research uh, that they believed would show how marijuana harmed the brain, harmed the human brain. So they put tons of money into this. But instead of showing how marijuana harmed the brain, they ended up uh, funding experiments that led to the discovery of what's called the endocannabinoid system. And it's basically you know, what's going on in the brain and the body that, that mediates the effects of marijuana, that, make, that allows a person to feel high. You sure. know, it's something going on in the body that marijuana connects with. And, and as a result of Reagan's drug war, they discovered this, which turns out to be a, a whole key to understanding human health and disease. And, 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 and rather than showing how marijuana harmed the brain, they showed how uh, marijuana actually activated what they refer to as receptors in the brain right. that protect it from a degeneration, from toxicity and so forth and so on. So here they were. They were sure, the Reagan folks, that uh, they were going to uh, show how marijuana harmed the brain. Instead, they showed how it helped the brain. And that's very ironic. And and the whole marijuana history is full of these kinds of ironies on, on both sides. And incidentally, Scott, I might add, I have no problem with the word marijuana. I know some people that don't want to go near that word because of the, the baggage, the stigma, the negative connotations, all the right. lies that have been built around this mm-hmm. world. But where, uh, you know, people prefer the word cannabis. I can go either way personally. You know, as a writer, I like to use a lot of different words. Sure. And I, I think we should claim marijuana as our own. It's a good thing. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, on balance, it's a, it's a health-promoting herb. And um, I personally don't feel like I have to, you know, run run from that word. So that's just my own take on it. I love it, brother. I love it. That's really cool. Man, you know, I'm thinking about that drug war, and I was, you just think about how, you know, if you take cannabis out of it, you take marijuana out of it, you've got a couple million heroin and, and cocaine users. It's not enough to go in and spend billions and billions of dollars and incarcerate hundreds of thousands of people for that. You need to demonize cannabis in there. You need to lump cannabis in there as the gateway, you know, the, and, and that, that's the only way to get funding for this kind of stuff, I think. Well, so with cannabis, you've got the numbers, you know, on either side of the argument. Uh, uh, What's what the latest figure showing? Twenty percent of Americans have tried marijuana in the you know last year. You're talking about uh, is that accurate? Really? A huge number Holy of people, cow. but and that far eclipses uh, abuse of, of opiates. Sure. Of course, alcohol is another story. You know that's very widespread. So you know again, the irony here is that, and it's a bittersweet irony. Uh, the, the evidence that is emerging very clearly is that medical marijuana could be a useful treatment for opiate addiction. Agreed. That people can get off the opiates with their using marijuana. Help I've seen it happen, with, sir. Uh, under a doctor's supervision. And, and we're seeing a lot of evidence for this. So it's another example. Here you do have a real problem with opiate abuse, opiate 
uh, overdose and deaths from that in the United States. The problem is the doctors profit from it. That's the problem. Doctors, yep, doctors, doctors love you coming back month after month to get that script. You know, it's on what hundreds yep. of dollars they're billing to the insurance every time to say, Hey, have anything, has anything changed? Nothing's changed. Here's your 500 pills. Come back next month. <laughs> you know? and unfortunately, can really get caught in the undertow of this. And, and it's going to be very, very difficult to get out of that vicious cycle of, um, of opiate use or I, other kinds of addiction, alcohol. We do the show and I've had people well. reach out over and over again and tell me I cut off. I just got tired of the opiates. I just stopped going to my doctor. I told my doctor no, and I replaced it with cannabis. A lot of times heavy edible cannabis use, but it does work. I'm here to tell yeah. you it does work. Yeah, uh, for a lot of people, that's what they say, and it's something that we should take very seriously. I wish the uh, government officials would, would acknowledge this more. Because Where's the profit we, in we it, We do man? have a profit in the United States. Uh, I can grow it in my closet. Help. I can grow it in my closet. Where's the profit? You said it before. We were talking to you, you in the book. I feel like me and you were talking. You were talking to me in the book. We were talking about uh, uh, water-soluble and oil-soluble, how that every everything is uh, water-soluble, so it's able to be injected. You know what I mean? And, and then uh, so and then cannabis uh, is oil-soluble, so it has to be you know taken in a tincture or something like that. Do I got that right? I hope I don't have that backwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and No, you got it right. Yeah, uh, and that's— Essentially, it's one of the factors that you're pointing out that, that uh, uh, made ma- uh, marijuana use medically kind of go into an eclipse because yeah. it wasn't uh, administered. It can't be administered as a hypodermic. Yeah, know? not like uh, two and all and second all and, and Valium and all those good things, man. You know, we can just in- inject a little Librium in there, man. You'll be fine. You know, those were the trends of the 50s and the 60s, you know? Yeah. I mean, fortunately, there's a lot of ways one could uh, consume cannabis. Uh through a hypodermic needle is not one of them. Uh, but there's many ways. We know from edibles, vaping, smoking, topicals, teas, uh, all, all kinds of ways. And, and that's all to the good because each way one consumes a cannabis, it will have a, somewhat of a different effect. You know, as you're well aware, you know, you take sure. edible, it could have a deeper effect, but it takes a longer time to experience the effects. Smoking, vaping is instantaneous, but it doesn't last as long. You know, all these factors figure into what's really best for a particular individual. Uh, some people don't like smoking or, or can't inhale things sure. because of their medical condition. There's another way to do it. Yeah, so, uh, and, and that's one of the virtues of cannabis. So uh, that's the reality today. Yeah, I just think politically what we're talking about is something that grows. We called it ditch weed at the turn of the century because it grew all over the world, every place but Antarctica. It would grow in ditches, you know. I'm growing some in my my shower that I don't use, an extra bathtub I'm growing. You know, I'll get a couple pounds out of that. I mean, that's enough to use for you. That's months of, of cannabis, you know. Um, it's not. I bet, I bet you someone in I bet you someone in Antarctica is growing it. <laughs> love it. I love it. But my, my point is, if you're a regulator, if you're somebody that's, that likes to control things and gets paid to control things, good luck trying to control cannabis. It grows everywhere. You're not going to be able to ta- – you're going to have a difficult time taxing it. You're going to have a difficult time controlling it, man. So I, I think that's a, a nightmare for people. It's not like you can just set up a simple still and, and make a bunch of alcohol, or at least high-quality alcohol. Uh, it takes a little, bit, it's a little bit more involved than just throwing some seeds out there and, and you know, cultivating them, letting your chickens poop on them. Well, it comes back to what you were saying before about the irony. Here you have uh, supposedly a controlled substance that's regulated under the Controlled Substances Act that, right. that basically makes marijuana illegal and other drugs too. Uh, so it's a controlled substance, yet its use is all over the world uncontrolled. 
and it's uh, there you have another irony. So um, anyway, the story goes on. It don't Alex surprise me, does it? State. I'm sorry. Say it again. You're based in Colorado, yes. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Very proud. One of these days, I'll get back there. I usually get back there about once a year or so to do some work. But, if you do, I'm getting you look, high. I'm going to have to split now. You got uh, it, brother. We have some other conversations. Uh, it was good to meet you over the phone. It and, sure was. Uh, happy to introduce to your audience. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, you're, you're awesome, man. I really appreciate your work. I don't, how, how long did that take you to put that book together, man? How much research is in that? Is that six uh, months of your life? Is that a year of your life? Tell me just really quick, and I'll let you go. You know, from writing it, from literally sitting down the first day to start writing, and it never comes out, you know, in the end, the way you begin it. Right. It took about two years and maybe two months, but there were parts, there were periods during that time where I wasn't working on it. I was working on other things. Uh, But from start to finish, of course, the research went on earlier, Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of that uh, research sort of dovetailed with my major focus these days, which is Project CBD. I invite everybody who listens to the program to visit projectcbd.org, and you can see the uh, the information service we run there uh, that focuses a lot on cannabis, but specifically more on cannabis for health uses. I love it. I love it. Well, come on back and tell us all about it. All right, Scott. You take care. Martin, thanks so much, brother. Respect. Respect. Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon And we're the boss man sister Take a little break That means we're lighting up a dude It's just weed It's just weed I like to keep a good buzz on, on, on It's just weed It's just weed In my toolbox there's a bone Some people start their day with a pill, it's what the doctor says to do. They shake their heads and natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new, new, new. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to keep the good balls on, on, on. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to smoke it all day long. Yeah. Big man, catch you riding high. Oh, we're gonna lock you in a cage. No, if you wonder why he hates the dank, just look at how he's being paid. Now, don't lock up me for smoking weed. I ain't done nothing wrong, wrong. 